0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com, and also write us at the Legendarium Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Welcome to the Legendarium. Today Craig and I discuss book four, chapters seven through ten, in an episode entitled Someone Needs to Write a She spin Spinoff.
0: Hello, Ryan. Hi, Fred. What are you doing?
1: You're sick. I don't want to get it.
0: <laughs> just because I'm sick doesn't mean I can't podcast. Right. I'm willing to get you sick. I'm just I'm glad that uh, nobody listening is I appreciate sick.
1: the concern. Very much. I appreciate your concern. <laughs> Question number one. Translate for me. Minas Ithil. Um your mom (laughs) that is
0: incorrect it is the tower of the moon uh would you be able if i told you the new name of it was minas Morgul? would you know what that meant i would tower of the moon no that was minas ithil never mind i'm totally (laughs) (laughs) you're the one that's on the loopy meds now apparently uh that would be the tower of sorcery uh, okay, question number two. In the conversation about stories, Frodo calls Samwise Samwise the. You remember he's uh, they're talking the about the stout-hearted. Yes, very good. That's number one for you. Uh, question number three. Sam calls Gollum a
1: calls him a lot of things. Well, he does
0: call him a lot of things. Yeah, he's a bit of a name-caller with Gollum. Uh, But it's a word that comes up quite a bit in one of these chapters. Sneak. A sneak, yes. Uh, Translate. Again, translate. We're doing a few of these. Torek Ungol.
1: Mm, Tunnel of
0: the Spider. Close. Actually, it's Shelob's Lair. Oh. Or more accurately, I think, would just be Spider's Lair. But Shelob is like the spider these days. The file of Galadriel holds the light of... The start of Erendil. Yes, very good. I didn't think you were going to get that one. Uh, A web blocks the exit. How do Frodo and Sam escape?
1: Uh, By utilizing Sting, the elven blade, to cut it. Yes, indeed. Not the
0: first time that it's been used on spiders. Uh, Where am I? I don't know. Who am I? There we go. Uh, Sam scores four hits on Shelob. Where does he land those blows?
1: First, he cuts the, like, one of her arms, the, the claw. claw. Yeah. Uh, then he cuts the eye. Yes. And then he gets one. She, she goes to smack down on him, and he puts the sword straight up and stabs her. That was the last one. That huh? the last one. I'm trying to think where the third one was. Um,
0: it's only a flesh wound.
1: I'll just say... Yeah, he got another R on the leg or something. Uh,
0: it was a, it was a slash at the belly. It didn't really go through that much, but it was enough. Right, because t- then he talks about how was, they're was, not like a was they're oozing. not like a dragon. It was oozing a little bit. Oh, got it. Yes. Uh yes. I'll give that one to you. You got three out of four. That's good. Uh, what most convinced Sam that Frodo had died? The fact
1: that he had seen this in a dream.
0: <gasps> there is that. Uh, which is is how he first realizes that maybe Frodo's dead. But then, after some ranting and raving and whatnot, he does something. He despoils the corpse of Frodo.
1: Oh, he takes the ring. Yeah,
0: he takes the ring. Frodo's face doesn't change. He doesn't react at all. And so that's how Sam knows that he has truly died, or untruly. Name the two orc leaders.
1: Um... I I
0: can't This is so important to the story. I can't believe you don't remember this.
1: Begnak. And <laughs> they
0: are Shagret and Gorbag. Um, uh yes. Uh what are the orcs talking about when they talk about Lugburs?
1: And that's the leader, the uh he's their their leader who has to come and pick take Frodo now that they found him.
0: Yes and no. Uh, Lugbors is uh, the Orkish word for uh, the the Dark Tower, for like it, its its headquarters. Right? It'd be like uh, the way that uh, the way that we would talk about. We'd just say Washington for Washington D.C. Washington says, you know, here's a new law. Or so if
1: uh, so, basically, if we were to make a buddy cop TV show out of Gorebag and Shagrad, this would be them. like saying, you know, oh, those guys back at HQ, they're always yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's Lugbors. Uh, good. What did you get? Like six, seven?
1: Uh, questionably, f- about six. Because right. there was a couple that I was, I was, I had a do du- a good answer, but not the answer you were looking for. All
0: right. Well, here's your bonus. Best of luck to you. Who is Shelob's mother? Uh, the Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> no, you're incorrect. Uh, her name is Ungoliant. Yeah. And so you'll recognize the the root word Ungol, which means spider in Elvish. Yeah. So she was the mother of all spiders. Actually the same race as Sauron and Gandalf and the Balrog.
1: All no, the... Uh, oh, Remember the the those
0: the servants of the gods? Yes. The Maiar.
1: The Maiar. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes, the indeed. Maiar.
0: Uh, so she was... Um, Ungoliant was a Maiar and uh, turned to the dark side and took on the, the form of a hideous great spider and uh, begat Shelob.
1: That's one of my one of my points. We'll come to a little bit later with the incredibly cool factor of Shelob that you don't get anywhere else.
0: Sweet. Uh, well, yeah. Let's. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with our points? I guess uh, we'll since I skipped any intro in our intro. Uh, we're talking about the final chapters of the Two Towers. Uh, obviously, if you were listening to the quiz, you know that by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, did you enjoy the Two Towers?
1: Yeah, yeah, ish. Yeah, ish. ish. There yeah. are some really great moments in the two towers. Um, I felt that so far this book has had a, a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys in terms of of reading material wise. Yeah, like um, desire to keep going and mm-hmm. flip to the next page. Yeah. Yep. In fact,
0: even within just this section, we were reading the last what three or four chapters, and I felt like the first chapter was kind of uh, it dragged a little bit. Uh, when they were on the journey oh. to the crossroads
1: I if you're gonna bring that up I'm gonna start I'm gonna start this right here this is my first point um this is not amazing writing okay this is not amazing anything but I have basically went through and I decided I'm going to you know I you know a lot of times people are like oh I could write a better chapter than that I decided I was going to f- try and get everything from that chapter into a short little piece to cover it oh all right. I'm so very excited. I, I wrote this little piece. Um, again, this is not great. I literally wrote this in about seven minutes while you were pulling together your, uh... My quiz. Your quiz. So, this should cover everything you need to know out of that chapter. All right. Let's see, see if the there's thing. anything I missed. All right, a little read is this theater here. <clears throat> After reviewing their newly gifted provisions and the fine crafted walking sticks that had been cut, out, cut down to match their size, Frodo and Sam prepared to depart the company of Faramir. I have no need to warn you of the dangers ahead on your journey, for they are yet many. But I may offer this as caution. Do not turn your journey eastward too soon. The Woods of Ithilien can provide you some protection until you must venture to the Black Lands. (laughs) I have seen to provide you with what provisions I can, but it may not find you to your journey's end. So beware what little the Black Lands provide. Drink nothing that flows from Imlad Morgul... Now you must leave with haste, my scouts, find the land to be empty, which is a strange thing, but may work to your benefit. Wow, okay, this is washing right over me. (laughs) Which is exactly how I felt actually reading this section. That's the thing,
0: it's it's, uh, definitely of these four, it's uh, the least exciting. Do you want to go on?
1: Basically, here's the rest of what you need to do. They They kept walking until Gollum says, now we need to go now we need east. to go east that's pretty much it that's so. all
0: you need to know they were west now they're going east
1: so there's an entire chapter that i felt like wow that could have been written in four paragraphs or less right so it's
0: uh we'll get to a point in this section where i think tolkien does a really great job with description but yeah sometimes he can uh he can drag a little bit i'll i i love him more than anybody that i know uh but i'll be the first to admit that it's not perfect Mm-hmm. I could I could do without most of this chapter. Um however, there was one thing, and this is one of my points I'll bring up uh from this chapter that I really enjoyed. It was a Star Wars moment, and you know, anybody who's been following the Legendarium knows we just, we heart Star Wars. Um mm-hmm. uh, we heart Star Wars a lot. Uh and it was when they get to the crossroads and they see the uh the Argonoth type king figure. Yes, you know it's a seated version of that. This huge statue, and uh, and its head has been knocked off and replaced with some thing. You know, anyway, I, I had this Star Wars moment of when they show up in the in Episode Four. They show up uh, the Millennium Falcon, and as a viewer, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool! It's it's uh, out of it, it's something out of somebody's imagination, and it's otherworldly, and it's interesting, and it's old. And Luke, you know, he looks at it and he says, what a piece of junk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love this idea that uh, that we're being led through something that's wondrous and and uh, fantastic and all this stuff. But in reality, the, the characters going through it are like, oh, geez, what a mess. Mm-hmm. This world is falling apart. You know, I love that idea.
1: Yeah, that actually, that statue is another piece for me, another point. Um, It it shows me um, a little bit of history in this world that it's not not necessarily that Mordor or that all these lands have always been the dark, you know, the darkness or whatever. Because that shows me that there was some sort of civilization there that had a king, just like the Argonoth or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because it talks about how it reminded Frodo of the Argonoth in scope or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, So, to me, it was kind of like, hey, there's more history here because this was here and it's been taken and defaced because... Whoever now resides here totally disagrees with this or doesn't have any respect for what this is.
0: Amen. Um, all right, well, I think I'll go on with another one of my points uh, since I stole one of yours, it sounds like. Um, speaking of excellent imagery, if we want to move on to you know what he does well, I love, I love, I love Minas Morgul. I think the description of Minas Morgul is so cool. And I love how they did it in the movies as well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was one of the coolest miniatures that they built. Uh, I know they they didn't do a ton with it. You don't really get to linger on it in the movie very much. Uh, and even less so in the book. But I, I love how he describes it as... Um, uh, it's, it's lit by a light that illuminated nothing. And he talks about how it used to be Minas Ithil, the Tower of the Moon and how this white marble city kind of had trapped the light of the moon and it kind of glowed with this moonlight mm-hmm. and it must have been just gorgeous and then that you know it was taken over by the by the nazgul and that moonlight is still there but it's all decayed and decrepit and disgusting and i i just thought that was the coolest piece of imagery this trapped sick moonlight
1: hm yeah I... I have to admit, I was when I was going through this section, I actually did approach these four chapters a little differently than I normally do. I actually tried these four through an audiobook piece. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was it the... Oh, shoot. Who's, who reads it? I have no
0: clue. Uh, it will come to me. Rob, uh, Rob Inglis.
1: Yeah. that's. I mean, that's probably who you're listening to. It could be somebody else. So, I was listening through, and I... One of the reasons why I generally don't do audiobooks is my mind wanders very quickly. Something catches my catches my attention. Squirrel. Yeah, I, to a certain extent, yes. <laughs> but, you know, I'm driving along and I'm trying to pay attention to what's happening in the book so that I can, I can make, you know, talk about the points and understand here. And he got to that and he was talking about it and I just couldn't get an image in my head that really worked for me, like what he was talking about. I couldn't picture a light that illuminated nothing. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to make, I don't know how to visualize that. And I went back to the movie, but I don't feel like, like what I said, what I saw in the films and what I was reading here weren't jiving with me. And I can't tell you why. Yeah. But they just weren't clicking at the same time for me. Well, I
0: mean, that's, I think that's part of the beauty of this. The description is that it's not something that we know in real life. It's not something that we can come up with an easy image for. It's just, yeah. Uh, did you ever have you ever read H.P. Lovecraft?
1: No. Uh, I, I here's can't a say.
0: tangent for you. He was a uh, he was a weird fiction writer from 100 years ago or so. And and uh, have you ever heard of Cthulhu? Yes. Okay. So he was the guy that came up with this monster Cthulhu, and uh, Cthulhu is this like denizen of the deep. And if you even look at Cthulhu, you will go mad. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that the mind can't comprehend. Uh, this being And how it exists And how it can possibly be this way right? Mm-hmm. So you look at it and you go crazy Really cool stuff Anyway, I could go on Lovecraft for a while I won't, but it's this idea of um, I I can't really describe What's in my mind I, I'm, I'm talking right now, by the mm-hmm. way In case you didn't catch that uh, I can't describe what's in my mind So I'm going to do the best I can But you won't know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to have to fill in the holes and come up with something that makes sense to you. And well, if you can't do it, then you can't do it. But, you know, and I, I, I don't know that I have the perfect picture in my head, but uh, well, but I, I love the challenge.
1: That's one thing about his writing and his description is sometimes it is so detailed you could write an almanac out about, you <laughs> know, the things that are there. Other times, like with this, I feel he's describing how the place, how the visual... Uh, representation of this place makes you feel or the, the feeling of that so that you can take it and say, okay, you know, when he says, uh, when I, when I think about what he's describing here, this place seems eerie and haunting to me, not necessarily like intimidating or grand, uh, right? You know, right. But there's like an eerie haunted feeling to it. That's, that's what I'm Yeah. That's feel what of. I came away with too. Um, so for me to, to be able to to visualize that but you know just I'm trying to visualize this ethereal glow around the place mm-hmm. you know I pre, I like the fact that you were talking about how this it's like trapped moonlight that helps me but when I'm reading it I couldn't really get that and I was trying not to turn it into like you know a Mario world <laughs> ghost house or something <laughs> sure. like that you know but perfectly acceptable as far as so. I'm concerned <laughs> but you know i I did think that uh, i it's an area that I would love to actually have known a little bit more about or discovered Mm -hmm. more about that area. So, um, there, I had a question, um, about that. It talks. And if I'm, I just want to make sure I remember this correctly from, from the reading slash listening, the King of the Nazgul comes out in this, right? Yeah, And he's actually riding a horse, right? In the films, he rides in The the foul beast, the foul beast out. Right. Yeah. Okay. uh, that to me evoked a very different image. Like he to me when the films when he takes off and flies off, mm-hmm. it's kinda like I'm going to go take off and Look at how majestic I I'm, am yeah, yeah, everything. When he comes out on the horse and he rides for it, like I get the feeling of the king riding in front of his troops. Right, right. You know, rallying them to war and then yeah, let's go, <laughs> <modulation> type thing. You know, I don't think it was quite. You know, <laughs> I think it was. Actually. I think it was. That's the war cry of the Nazgul King. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but and then eleven soccer players <laughs> come out of the hills.
1: <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I thought that the way that uh, he's described in his entrance and uh, and everything there really lended lend me to feel more like he was a king and a ruler over the group rather than just some...
0: The, than just a figurehead. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. And I love um, getting a little bit of insight into the relationship that the orcs have with their leaders mm-hmm. versus the versus the, the men and elves have with their leaders because the orcs, you know, later on in, uh, in the past of Kirithungal... They talk about you know how the Nazgul gives them the creeps. Yeah, and these are orcs, yeah. and the Nazgul give them the creeps. You know, and, and you know that they're following out of fear and uh, uh, not out of any sort of loyalty or love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that a lot. Um, so let's let's move a little bit from the from the uh, creepy to the more beautiful parts of this yeah so we already mentioned in the quiz the conversations that uh the conversation that Frodo and Sam have about stories mm-hmm. so I really like that passage I've always really liked it and I love the way that they treated it in the movie even if it was in like freaking Osgiliath or something like that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love the conversation and it uh it is the basis for what I think is the greatest song from the stage musical
1: oh the now uh, and for always
0: yeah now and for always it's a duet between frodo and sam and uh if you aren't careful it'll make you cry yeah it is it It is is probably my favorite song oh it is just gorgeous Mm -hmm. and um i and we should probably record a youtube video in which we make it not so gorgeous and uh, make (laughs) a humorous take out of it i think that would be fun um, but yeah, anybody, I, I know we've mentioned the stage musical a few times, but anybody who's heard us mention it and hasn't gone and checked out the music, at least, uh, go go check
1: it out. It's got some really good stuff. Hop on Spotify, uh, search or out, YouTube. or YouTube something, search out uh, The Lord of the Rings musical. Um, now and for Always is a great one, Cat in the Moon. Uh, awesome. Oh, uh, what's
0: most... the, The Road Goes On? The Road Goes On. Excellent song. There's some catchy music. Ooh, it's the, by... The Gollum Smeagol kind of bizarre duet that that guy sings with himself Mm -hmm. in the schizo scene oh man that's good
1: it's a lot of it's it's really good stuff uh the the music's by uh a.r Rahman, who did uh he's a he's an indian composer Mm -hmm. he he's most famous
0: here probably for uh slumdog millionaire slumdog millionaire slumdog millionaire
1: and uh he's also done uh there's a this is totally another total side tangent i love tangents um he did the music for um, a movie called lagan which if you can find a copy of lagan l-a-g-a-a-n um it's about an indian cricket team that tries to win their freedom or it's an indian village that tries to win their freedom by beating the british at cricket nice it's like five hours long oh really but it's it's got these musical numbers in it and everything and it's because it's indian yeah it's bollywood so it's good. He wrote the music for that too. Um, uh, also, writing music for the Lord of the Rings musical is one of your favorite. My
0: if if they're not my favorite band, then they're just slightly edged out by Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a pairing, but they're called Vartina, mm-hmm. and uh, they are Finnish, and they are fantastic. <laughs> um, they're a Finnish folk pop ensemble. They've been around for like 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I know I butcher their name, but whatever, I love them and I want to bear their children.
1: Mm-hmm. So on that side note there, check out the music and everything, <laughs> because that, that moment in the, in the book, um, where they get to talking about the stories and, and, uh, and how they they're, they're kind of, uh, taking a moment to realize that they're, they don't know, the end of their story, they don't know whether it's a happy ending, a sad ending yeah. or whatever and that they shouldn't I loved that moment when he said you know, he says, well, the people in these stories don't know if it's going to be happy or sad and we wouldn't want them to, right and I, I was like, that is such a a difficult concept for us to, to realize, for us right now is the yeah, idea of living that our own stories If as you're living your own story if you You know, if you knew the end, would you care about the journey? Would you care about any, or, you know, would you be just like, well, that's how it's going to happen? Yeah,
0: yeah. Another concept from that conversation that I loved was uh, there are stories that you'd rather live, and there are stories that you'd rather hear. Mm -hmm. And and I'd never, I mean, I've read this a dozen times. I never thought about that line much, but uh, it's true. I would much rather live Bilbo's adventure than Frodo's. Frodo yeah. it sounds like a freaking nightmare, mm-hmm. um, and Bilbo's—I mean, dangerous as it may be—was a pretty rip-roaring good time when you got down to the end of it, right? Yeah. But in the end, which is the story that's most loved and, and cherished of the two? It's Frodo's story. That's the story we'd, we'd rather hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for me to to
1: well, and I think say the... this,
0: but it, like the wh- which which film version is obviously superior. I you know the Lord of the Rings. We haven't seen the third hobbit yet but I'm I'm going to go judgment. out on a limb. So. I'm going to hold
1: off judgment until we see the entire installment together because I have a feeling it's one of those that um with Peter Jackson with a lot of directors that have multiple movie films mm-hmm. you know movie films. Nice. Multiple movie Oh, I series, see what you're saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um they see a big picture and sometimes when they're splicing it apart Mm -hmm. they don't realize that you know number two or number you know whatever just is not all that great on its own but when it slides into the big picture it's fantastic right that's kind of what i'm hoping is going to happen with the hobbit yeah i hope so
0: but uh, you go back to the lord of the rings trilogy and the two towers was quite possibly the best of the three films yeah so anyway uh we digress we yes. Digress for. There's five one minutes. other
1: one other point on that. Though. Let's digress, <laughs> not on the films. Oh, okay. uh, on the on the point of the stories. You talked about how you'd rather live Bilbo's uh, than uh, than, live, Frodo's. than Frodo's. Right. Um, Sam makes a delineation as to why that is, and I and I thought that that was really quite uh, profound as well. Um, and it's because there are those stories uh, that you that the hero comes back from. And nothing has changed oh yeah and then there are those that they can't go back because you know either something hasn't changed or, or, or has everything or everything changed. has changed yeah. and how many times uh, you know I think that delineation between uh, between the types of stories that we may see in uh, in all of, all the writings that we read and in you know our own personal life stories mm-hmm. or whatever um, I think that delineation is something that we can look at it and say, "That's an adventure," you know, or, or look at it and be like, "This this uh, story isn't just a, a fun adventure like The Hobbit. This is a journey. This one's a journey." Right, so, right.
0: And you haven't experienced the real end of the Lord of the Rings yet. The movie has not prepared you for good what you're about to experience. Good. Um, it, when we get into the Return of the King, it's a very quick read. Uh, it's the shortest of the three books uh, by a wide margin. And uh, so we'll get to the end pretty soon here, actually. And it is um, different and uh, more instructive than almost any ending you've ever read.
1: I will say this about the ending of Two Towers. It's the first time uh, that I've reached the end of a reading and wanted to jump immediately to the next piece because I was like... Like, what the heck happened? It was, uh, I think the last line is um, that basically Sam gets blocked out. Uh, I got it right here. Um, oh, Doc got it.
0: Stupid books. Um, oh, yeah. Sam hurled himself against the bolted brazen plates and fell senseless to the ground. He was out in, the, out in the darkness. Frodo was alive, but taken by the enemy. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Yeah. That's where the to be continued sex thing comes oh, up man. on the TV series and, and you're like... And uh, and then you're going to open up
0: book five, and it's Gandalf and Aragorn, and like, listen, Gimli, no! <laughs> well, anyway. Um,
1: I think we are on your point. Okay. Let's... Um, I alluded to this earlier. My next point actually covers Shelob. Oh, yeah, sure. Now that we're kind of at that point, I'll just touch briefly just i thought it was hilarious how many stairs that they had to go up
0: there were like three or four of them
1: <laughs> they had to go up, uh, you know staircases stair master <laughs> this, this is the the lord of the Rings stair master edition sort of thing set up that you could totally sell and i guarantee you to get at least a <laughs> thousand people buying um at least
0: <laughs> at least three dozen purchasers
1: but, okay, so they go up the stairs or whatever, and there's a couple things about that that are, that's different, that I thought was cooler, and I'm appreciative in the movie. The fact that uh, they actually talk about how it, once you get up to a certain height, it's so dark, they can only see basically, like, the next step. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm, there's a level of difficulty and a level of interest that wasn't there for me before. Right. The fact that I gotta watch where the next step is, I have no idea if that next step is, like, over the, you know, there's a, an edge right next to it right, or anything, right. so... I thought that was cool, but they get up, they get into the into Shelob's lair, where by the way, they do the stupidest thing ever
0: and separate and go on opposite sides of the wall, right
1: classic horror film moment. all right, everyone, there's someone gonna who's been killing us one by one let's, let's split, split up, up. <laughs> idiots, no, but when they were talking when it's talking about Shelob, as they're going through all we talk it talks about the eyes and everything else, and I was like, oh, that's you know that's cool imagery, yeah, and that's yeah, really yeah. you know scary because you know a lot of times we see it in the dark know um horror films or whatever there's, you see the eyes or whatever but when they gave us the history and we got to see things from She-Love's perspective I was like oh this isn't just an abnormally large Godzilla type spider it's this, a character this is a character this is a this is a an evil per uh, an evil who's personified by the body of a spider right and to me like all evil in the Lord of the Rings so far has been subject to Sauron who is the great evil and but it says right there I am not subject to Sauron.
0: Right, and she uh, what oh, she she devours life and vomits darkness.
1: Yeah. Oh man, are you kidding me? That is so cool. Yeah, I was I was just like, this is this is an evil character who I believe, um, given a different set of circumstances, and no one should ever do this. But if you were to write a spinoff book, that's a great villain. Why not? Why
0: shouldn't anybody ever do that?
1: I'm just saying, it's one of those uh, writing a spin-off of Lord of the Rings. I mean, you'd have to have
0: balls of steel to do that. Yeah, but
1: that's, uh, I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I personally would never consider that as something to... Sure. Well, I, okay, so another Star Wars
0: moment. As much as we adore the films, I mean, we talked about this in our Star Wars special, uh, but we cherish the expanded universe. Mm-hmm. This is, it, it's fan fiction, you know, from the very beginning, the Timothy Zahn series, the uh, the uh, comic book series, these the, it's fan fiction. It's a mm-hmm. bunch of fans, or you know, or maybe one fan, like, hey, I've got an idea. What if these characters did this and that? And you know, you go on the internet these days, you can find fan fiction all over the place, and ninety nine point nine nine percent of it is just a steaming pile of horse manure, <laughs> and that's that's being generous, but you know some of it sure you know why why couldn't it be written by talented people who uh who know what they're doing
1: and can and spin huh <laughs> a good a good yarn got it so that's that's my thing is I, I found that shelob could be uh take the extra information that i'm sure you get in in the appendices yeah. and the summer we need of to
0: sell this to marvel so they can do spinoff movies <laughs> Of these little characters.
1: Um, And Shelob is is the villain you can do, (laughs) you can talk about. So this
0: is where, you know, you, you talk about all this backstory that we're given on Shelob. And this is what people complain about sometimes. Like, oh, I don't care. I don't care about that stuff from the Silmarillion. Just go on with the story. And, I mean, I get it to a certain extent. But also, like you say, you know... You run into this giant spider, and, and she's more than just some obstacle placed in the way. Mm-hmm. She, she exists for a reason, and we get to know what that reason is. It only took a little while to explain it. It's not like it's a laborious passage or anything. But, uh, yeah, I think it's fascinating stuff.
1: I think if... I generally feel, and I, I'm sure there are exceptions to this, if you invest the time to name the character... Um, as and this, I feel the same way. And I'm I'm using just another giant spider, um, whose name I can't remember now. Oh
0: oh um uh
1: oh shoot, uh, Hagrid's pet, right? Yes. Uh, whose name is? Uh, <laughs> Someone listening to this right now is yelling it at I the know, rain, like. Right. <laughs> uh, um, you keep going. I'll think of it. But it, we get a backstory for that spider as I'm well. I'm not gonna think of it. But it's a thing where we're given us... If you just wanted to create an obstacle, you can talk about a giant spider um, that is often called by, the, you know... You know, it's often called this by the people who live nearby. You don't necessarily need any more than that if all they're going to be is an obstacle. But if you want to invest... Uh, Aragog. Aragog. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you want to invest the... If you want to invest... Call gold line. If you, if you want to invest some amount of uh, interest in that character we need more to it um, we need more of a backstory right, we need right. to know how this spider came to be this bigger or or why you know
0: why she set up camp in this pass yeah yeah
1: why has she not been routed by sauron yet why has not, you know but, right. and we get that information later
0: so yeah this would be where you know potentially somebody could have come out of the the book and said plot hole you know, another favorite thing of uh, of amateur movie critics. Plot mm-hmm. holes. Who cares? But, you know, at a certain point, I don't care about plot holes that much. But um,
1: the cameras couldn't be plugged into anything, Craig,
0: says the X-Men viewer. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in this case, no, there's no plot hole because he fills in that hole for you. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Um, okay. Okay. Um, do you remember in the last podcast when you mentioned uh, that you thought it was interesting that Gandalf was Frodo's conscience? He's the little angel on his right shoulder. Yeah. Did you catch who Sam's conscience is?
1: No, I don't think I. I did.
0: loved this. Sam's conscience is Sam.
1: <laughs> so,
0: when uh, when Frodo in, you know, in the previous section that we did, he's remembering something that Gandalf told him and uh it's gandalf's words that remind him to whatever it was probably like you know be merciful to to uh smeagol or whatever mm-hmm. uh, but in this case sam has to make some decision or he's remembering some piece of wisdom and it's his voice that pops into his head yeah. <laughs> and i love that because <laughs> uh, you know you'd have to be pretty secure in your uh, in your mind to be your own
1: conscience Let's see. Uh, Who does that remind me of uh, this year? Uh, Matthew McConaughey in his Oscar speech. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Looking at me in the future. If it's not me now, it's me in the future. Oh boy, it's the worst Matthew McConaughey (laughs) impersonation. Uh, No, it was the best. It was the best. Um, Go on with your bad self. Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the battle arena where Sam gets to just take a minute and and be bad. A exactly. Yes. We get to the fight scene between Sam, and this is one of those moments, you know, admittedly in the film. It is, it's awesome, you know. I, reading through this, I, the whole time I'm like, okay, so when are they supposed to split up beforehand? You know, why, when is he going to send Sam back for eating the Lembus bread or whatever? Oh, God, (laughs) yes. I can now understand why that might have infuriated some people, because... That's just not the way it played out. Not
0: even a little bit. There wasn't any of
1: that. And it should I have no idea why why they felt that necessary, but for that moment where he comes in and he picks up the the file and, and, and the and sting yeah. and starts going, Hey, hey
0: You're talking about the movie or the book at this the, point? The movie. Okay, yeah.
1: When when he does that, you're in the movie you're like, Yes! This is awesome. In the book, when Sam comes out there and it starts talking about how she love has never fit if she knew the rage that she was facing you know she probably would like she would approach this differently or something right. right. just that i'm like all of a sudden i get this even more intense and awesome image of Samwise, just a stout-hearted like just going absolutely ballistic and charging this this spider and everything i'm just like that it was even cooler to me to visualize his attack in the book than that moment in the film when you're just like yes that was just amazing so but here it's amazing and a little more poignant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm allowed I to I can I can take Samwise and make him just this rage machine over the over you know the death of his master. Right. And, and right. It's
0: great. And I like uh, I I understand why this didn't make it into the film because it would be a little bit awkward to to film and to see, but I love when he he's driven Shelob off and now he's going over to Frodo and he realizes or at least thinks he realizes that Frodo is dead and instead of just like sitting down and crying he freaks the heck out Mm -hmm. right he's running around he's waving his sword around he's cursing he's yelling at the air Mm -hmm. Um, I love that moment where Sam just comes unhinged and uh, you know he doesn't have to give us any quotations or anything. He just gets to tell us that mm. you know that Sam is doing all this stuff, and we get to fill in the gaps there.
1: Sam goes through like the stages of grief really, really quick quickly. There. Yeah, it's like anger and he's swinging things around, and he looks and talks about you know he's looking at the different dark crevices that he could jump <laughs> into and <laughs> oh, everything. Yeah, that was that was dark. I was like, wow. He's Sam's like
0: staring at the point of the sword and then looking at the
1: cliff edges and stuff. Oh my goodness! Until finally, he comes to the realization. Uh, I. I made a promise that I have to see this through, and, you know, would he want me to take it? Can I take it? I love that he's asking Frodo the whole time, you know, can I take this? No. Hope hope that's cool. I hope you're okay with this, (laughs) because I I think that you would be, this is what you would want. Yeah. But.
0: Um, Okay, so you are a Spanish speaker. Si, senor. You know who else is a Spanish speaker? You're in terrible company.
1: Who? The orcs. Oh, really? Did you notice that? <laughs> Every I once not. in
0: a while, they'd go, hola. <laughs> not really. I, I'm sure it was like hola or whatever, but yeah, it just it took me right out, and I laughed out loud, and I thought, oh, Ryan's going to love that. But you
1: didn't even notice. No, I, I did not. I actually... Oh, probably because you listened
0: to it, and he pronounced it differently or actually,
1: something. Actually, in the, the last chapter I read, um, I want to see if I can find where... There was one. I was trying to actually think how I would pronounce... Yeah, pronounce it, and I've got to find where he's talking. Um, it'll take me a minute. This is this is really oh. good radio, by the way. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, and as I turn the page on my iPad, um, there's a couple moments where it talks about sounds that they make. So, there was a wild clamor, hooting and laughing as something was lifted from the ground. Yahoy, yahari hoy, up, up! <laughs> I was like, what? Like to me, if I ever saw those words written out like this. I would not expect it to be in a fantasy novel. I'd be expecting some like cartoon vegetable pirate type thing. <laughs> Yahoy! I'm just like I. It, I. I had a similar moment being taken out by Orc speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: there's okay. another. There's another word, and this is not a. This is not a Lord of the Rings or Tolkien or fantasy thing. But um, the word misled. If you ever look at the word misled, have you ever pronounced it in your head as misled?
1: <laughs> no, but I nope. will now. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! So ever since I was in middle school or whatever the first time was that I came across this word, I've always looked at it and I had to. I always start with misled, and then I go, "No, that's misled." Um, but then it, when I've asked people, I should have asked you this first before I said anything. But when I've asked people, if, I, I say, "If if I were to say, you know, the, the verb to misle, like I'm I'm misling someone, what would that mean?" And everybody gets it every time they know what that like instinctively, what this word must mean. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this needs to be a word to misle, <laughs> to misle someone. I I've, I've been misled. Hmm. Anyway, that, that word popped up in this chapter somewhere and uh, <laughs> uh, it always gets me.
1: I've got time. a couple words like that. I can't think of what they are, but every time I come across them, I, I put they, the wrong emphasis. Yes. I, I am misled hmm. by,
0: by the word. Indeed. Um, so speaking of orc speech, uh, the, my last point is, uh, did you notice, and let me flip to the page here, that the orcs, uh, let's see, about an hour ago, just before you saw us, a message came, and here's the message that the orcs get. Nazgul uneasy. Spies feared on stairs. Double vigilance. Patrol to head of stairs. What does that remind you of?
1: Mm, offhand, a police scanner? <laughs>
0: we uh, So it reminded me of uh, Telegraph. From back in World War One, when Tolkien was fighting a a war, this is how they received messages. And uh, and anyway, I thought that was interesting. Like the the bad guys are receiving telegraphs. The eye is blinking up in the tower. Telegraph. (laughs) 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 Did you know one of Tolkien's jobs? His I think his primary job in World War One was uh, as a communications officer. Hmm. And so this was when they would he would stand in a window or on a hill or something, and he had flags, and he would have to raise his semaphore. arms in different positions. What is it? Semaphore? semaphore. Yeah, and uh, that's what he did in the war. Communications Aww. officer. I He's mean, you know, besides trying to shoot people.
1: I don't know what the actual name is for it, but I would never... <laughs> I, well, you got to say it now. Sorry, I, I was going to say, so he was a fornicator, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> I decided not to... Uh throw that on the name of JRR Tolkien, but apparently it's happened now so well, too late you can never take it back this is live yeah i'll take that to my grave okay yeah uh,
0: yeah do you have anything else are we uh, done with this section we went way longer than i thought we would
1: i am i think i'm pretty good overall uh, once we got um past the long walk and up the long stairs Uh, Things picked up, and it was really enjoyable. There were some great moments. There was the nice heartwarming moment from Frodo and Sam, the creepy moment in the tunnels, and the awesome fight scene, which, oh, this was a point. That brings me up, this was a point. It's one of the few times that I actually both people in the fight stay conscious the whole time so we get to see the whole fight scene play out from both people's perspectives
0: you mean shelob and sam yeah yes thank goodness and he does it well too yes he does he really it's it's not like he's skipping the other fight scenes because he can't write it he he does this really well yeah so
1: i appreciated that i actually got to read through a fight scene and both groups stayed conscious through the whole thing and didn't just finish off saying and then sam woke up yeah well, speaking of excellent fight
0: scenes, we're about to get to a bunch in uh, the Return of the King. So here's what I want to do uh, to finish out: we'll do a similar thing. I want to bring on a, a few guests if we can, and uh, we'll discuss just like we have through the end of of Return of the King. We'll get to the end of the book. Maybe we'll even do a cast on the appendices uh, if you're feeling especially bold. Uh, but then, after we've finished up with this kind of uh, chapter-by-chapter analysis, uh, I would like to go in and do a, just a few extra casts with uh, with some people uh, about certain topics within the work as a whole. So, for instance, I've already talked about uh, my wife is a, a big-time feminist, and she's uh, got a friend of hers who's also a big feminist and is a huge Tolkien fan. And so I, I want to bring them on. We'll do a roundtable discussion on women in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Or, I will uh, be the quietest I have ever been during that <laughs>
1: podcast. Treading, <laughs> treading lightly, thin ice. Yes, uh, women power, and I'll be over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but you know what I mean. Just uh, some different topics. Uh, we had Larry D. Curtis from FantasyCon. He's also from the uh, so I want to bring him on to uh, you know have some some kind of discussion. Uh, He, during a press conference earlier this week For FantasyCon, brought up the book that I brought up On this podcast a few weeks ago And that was uh, Author of the Century Mm -hmm. By uh, Tom Shippey And so, uh, yeah, I want to bring him on Maybe we'll talk about that book, review that Or something like that So, you in? Uh, Of course Sweet And uh, I think it'll take us a long time to get to that point Because for the next few weeks we'll be doing uh, We've got FantasyCon coming up in four or five weeks, mm-hmm. uh, you know we there are so many movie pre- movie uh, releases coming out. We saw X Men. There's Godzilla out. We need to talk about a few of these things that are happening in the world of in the world of a phantasmagoricness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we will, but we'll keep on going with Tolkien So
1: in between everything, you'll you'll get your taste of the ring.
0: right, uh, I bet it tastes rather metallic. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Legendarium on iTunes. Uh, Check us out at thelegendarium.podbean.com and also write us at thelegendariumpodcast at gmail.com.